It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 382 for March 2nd, 2014. This week, Apple promotes the security of its OS X operating system, and some Apple fans think that it's impervious to attack. It's not. How many updates are you asked to install every day? From computers and operating systems to DVD players and televisions, they're everywhere. If you're nervous about Windows 8, you'll still be able to buy a Windows 7 system for quite a while. And in short circuits, the Facebook email address that you probably didn't even know you have will soon vanish. And Netflix has agreed to pay Comcast's ransom. And in my opinion, that's bad for all of us. Apple users sometimes like to claim that Apple computers, which are based on the Berkeley Software Distribution, or BSD, Unix operating system, are all but impervious to attacks of any kind. That has always been questionable. But Apple's release of a seriously flawed version of its Mavericks operating system, OS X version 10.9, and the company's slow response to fixing the problem should combine to cause even diehard Apple fans to view the claims a bit more realistically. This week, Apple finally patched Mavericks to eliminate a flaw that would allow thieves to view data on connections that users thought were encrypted. The same security problem existed on iOS. That's the operating system that powers Apple's mobile devices. But Apple patched that operating system several days earlier. The danger of this bug would be difficult to overstate. It could put at risk financial data, usernames, passwords, and any accounts that the user accessed from the computer. So if you have an Apple computer or a mobile device and you haven't updated the operating system this week... Stop right now. Go perform the update. Then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. The bug would allow your Apple device to believe it had received a valid encryption certificate when in fact the certificate might be fraudulent. Apple has refused to discuss how long the security hole has been present, but researchers have found evidence that the bug was present in mobile devices starting in late 2012. It appears not to have been introduced into OS X until October of last year. That's still a long time for a security problem this serious to remain unpatched. This is the kind of flaw that lends itself to attacks that are characterized as man-in-the-middle exploits, in which the user thinks the computer has connected to a secure server at, for example, a bank, but it has actually connected to a fraudster's computer, and that computer passes the connection through to the bank, hence the man-in-the-middle name. The intermediate computer can then capture everything that the hapless user's computer sends or receives. The takeaway from this account is not that Apple is bad. Apple manufactures excellent hardware. The operating system is first-rate. But neither the hardware nor the software is perfect.
Speaking of updates, updates are just about everywhere. Operating systems update themselves, browsers update themselves, some applications update themselves. Now it seems even televisions update themselves. Would you like to download and install an update for, insert any kind of device name? That's a question that I'm asked several times a day, most days. So are you, probably. I mentioned televisions because I bought a new flat-panel TV to replace an older set that had failed. It's a Samsung set, one of the new smart TVs that can connect to the Internet. After installing the set, I found that it could reach the Internet but was unable to connect to Samsung's servers. So I called support, and eventually the problem was solved with a firmware update. A few weeks later, I received a follow-up call regarding the support call. I had spent about 40 minutes on the phone with a Level 1 technician and another 20 minutes with a Level 2 tech. Both of them were completely baffled by the problem. When I was passed on, finally, to a Level 3 tech, I described the problem once again, and she said, Oh, that's a known problem. I can fix it. And she did. She logged onto the TV and updated the firmware. The person who called with the survey questions seemed a little surprised to learn that I felt the Level 1 technician and the Level 2 technician should have been made aware of this known problem. Since then, the television has downloaded and installed one additional update. Sam, that's the name I gave the television. I think it should have a name, so Sam seemed reasonable. Sam told me one evening that a new update was ready. I could choose to have it installed immediately, or I could wait until I turned the set off. There was no indication how long the update would take, but I expected it would take about the same amount of time the Level 3 tech took to download the firmware and update it. In other words, a few minutes. Install it now, is what I told Sam. Well, the process consumed most of the rest of the evening. Fortunately, I had a book to read. The book was on my Nexus 7 tablet, and I was able to open the book and continue reading once the tablet had installed a few updates of its own. This week, when I turned Sam on, somehow that just doesn't sound quite right, does it? This week when I turned Sam on, he wasn't able to display an image for WOSU HD on Wide Open West's channel 205. The other local HD channels were also blank, so I called WOW's support number to see what was up. The technician asked for the serial number from the set-top box to ensure that she'd be able to look at the right device. The solution involved sending an update from WOW's server to the set-top box, and suddenly the PBS NewsHour reappeared. Unfortunately, that problem occurred again the following night, and the update in this case involved taking the set-top box back for an exchange. And that same evening, the TV had another update that would have taken five hours if I had allowed it to run to completion. Instead, I canceled it and allowed the update to take place while I was sleeping. Computers run just about everything these days, so I have to wonder what happens when the pilot of a commercial airliner receives a notice at 55,000 feet. Would you like to update the airplane's software now or wait until you're at the gate? It, okay, just kidding, I think. But consider this. People can log on to my TV to install firmware patches. We can buy a book, download it, and begin reading in less than a minute. It's easy to carry a hundred or more books around with us wherever we go. In most cases, cars tell technicians... Nobody calls them mechanics anymore. Cars tell technicians what's wrong with them. Could any of us predicted this even a decade ago?
panic by Windows 8? If you're in a panic because Windows 7 will no longer be available after November 1st of this year, relax. Microsoft says that computer manufacturers will be able to continue selling Windows 7 after the planned end date. Microsoft, of course, manages to say with a straight face that this decision has nothing to do with the end of support for Windows XP or with the lukewarm acceptance of Windows 8. The company says that Windows 7 represents the largest percentage of installed systems. XP is probably second, but XP becomes an orphan in April. What hasn't changed, though, is the end of support date for Windows 7. Standard support ends on January 13, 2015. Extended support will cease on January 14, 2020. And here's what Microsoft means by that. Under mainstream support, Microsoft offers support for a minimum of five years from the date of a product's general availability, or for two years after the successor product is released, whichever is longer. For example, if you buy a new version of Windows and five years later another version is released, you'll still have two years of support left for the previous version. Microsoft offers a lower level of extended support for either a minimum of five years from the date of a product's general availability or for two years after the second successor product, in other words, two versions later, is released. And again, whichever is longer. If you think regular computer users are averse to change, compare them to corporate IT directors. Some CIOs and CTOs would probably still be using IBM 360 systems with dumb terminals if management would let them. Windows 7 Pro is stable, known, understood, and well-supported. Therefore, it is understandably very popular with chief information officers and chief technology officers. Some have suggested that Microsoft's new policy is intended primarily for small businesses, but certain large businesses are now fixated on Windows 7, having only recently started migrating users away from XP. They install 32-bit systems unless the user can make a compelling case for a 64-bit system, and then they hobble the 64-bit system with only 4 gigabytes of RAM. These are the companies that have only recently migrated from Internet Explorer 6 to IE 8, which, by the way, is three versions out of date. And yes, I do know of a company like this. What these laggards, if I may call them that, seem not to realize is that there is no requirement to use the Metro interface on desktop or notebook computers, that Windows 8 is faster and more secure than Windows 7, and that Windows 8 makes synchronization of some settings between various computers a whole lot easier. <laughs> short circuits, oh no, you're about to lose your Facebook email address. No, you, you didn't know you had a Facebook email address? Well, it seems that most people who have Facebook accounts seem equally unaware of this fact, and in fact, that is why Facebook will retire its email service. 
Facebook added email in 2010. Now it's terminating the service, and it says any email sent to your Facebook.com address will simply be forwarded to the email address you provided when you signed up. The address you may not know you have will be in the format of your Facebook name at Facebook.com, and anybody can send a message to that address, even if you've never made it public. Facebook does limit the number of messages you can receive from people you don't list as friends, but that limit, of course, is a number greater than zero. Facebook says that it also tries to identify and filter out spam. Because most people don't even know they have a Facebook address, they don't check those accounts for messages. As a result, they don't see any spam that's there, and because of that, most spammers don't send messages there because they know people won't see them. But with all the messages to Facebook accounts scheduled now to be forwarded to addresses that users do check, spammers probably will show some interest. So if you start receiving messages from people you don't know in a few weeks, those messages might be coming to you courtesy of Facebook. take long for Netflix to cave and agree to pay Comcast to give precedence to Netflix's streaming video. This is the first indication that net neutrality is officially dead. Netflix becomes the first content provider to agree to pay for better access to a broadband provider's customers. Now call me crazy, but it seems to me that it's Comcast's responsibility to provide good service to its customers. And if those customers want to watch streaming video, they should be able to. They are, after all, paying to have broadband service delivered to their homes. So now we're entering a phase in which large, profitable companies will be able to pay the ransom demanded by broadband providers. Smaller companies, and startups in particular, won't have the money needed to buy their way into that insider's club. The principle of a free, open Internet has been discarded by a clueless federal court and a trembling Federal Communications Commission. The FCC has for decades refused to take its regulatory responsibilities seriously. Except when there's a wardrobe malfunction during halftime at the Super Bowl. Oh, they're all over that. Comcast subscribers who view Netflix streaming video will see some benefit right now. But this agreement sets a precedent that will be bad for everybody in the longer term. How long before Netflix starts charging more for its services? How long until broadband providers further increase their already high fees? How long until other broadband providers start demanding ransom from Netflix? Users in the United States already pay higher monthly fees for slower service than do most consumers in Europe and Asia. Why is this? If we, and by we I mean the administration, Congress, regulators, the courts, and the common folks just like you and me, if we all seriously believe that the United States should be a leader instead of a follower, now is the time to get our act together. And this agreement between Netflix and Comcast is exactly the wrong way to go about it. For additional information, an article on The Verge is well worth reading, although it is more than a little profane. 
If profanity is something you don't want to read, then avoid the article. Otherwise, you'll find a link to what Nile Patel had to say on The Verge. You'll find that link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. But if you want the takeaway in a single sentence and without the profanity, here it is. The Internet is a utility, just like water and electricity. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.